What's up, everybody? Joe Patrick here, Dirty South Soccer. Uh, just recently came to you with a guest ho uh, a guest a few days ago, and now I'm happy to announce we have another guest with us. Maybe a, a guest of a little bit more prominence than, than the last guest. Uh, Doug Roberson from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is with me today. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about what we heard from Darren Neels and Stephen Glass. So, uh, hello, Doug. Hey, Joe. It's good to be on here with you, buddy. Yeah, for those who don't know, Doug Doug is soaking wet. He just got caught out caught out in the rain. So um, <laughs> he's now in, he's now enjoying himself though uh, on vacation. So thanks for uh, taking the time to do this with me. Um, I'm just kind of I again I just kind of I texted you about five minutes ago if you wanted to kind of spitball about what we heard today from mm -hmm. uh, Darren Neels and Stephen Glass. Just curious, um, what was did you have like a top line takeaway? Was there something that really stuck out with you based on what you heard from either one of them? Uh, you know, it's the move to to part ways, uh, mutually part ways, which you have to put in quotes because mm -hmm. I, I don't can't believe that it was mutual, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, With yeah. DeBoer, you know, part of it was not surprising. Part of it was a little bit surprising. Um, I don't think that Stephen Glass really should feel any pressure as Atlanta United's manager. Um if he goes out and wins, that's fantastic. But Darren's already said, you know, that they're hiring another manager and Steven is going to go back to Atlanta United too, uh, where I think he's done a, a really good job in some difficult circumstances. Um, so he and the players really can just kind of go and, and, as he said, have some freedom and, and try to enjoy themselves and, and play some attacking, fun soccer, which is what Darren Eels wants to see. Yeah, that that was the thing that like kind of stuck out with me was when they talked a little bit more in depth and and especially Glassy in terms of what he has been doing these last couple of days since the players got back to training and kind of what his priorities are for this team. I think what the way they spoke, both of them, but especially Glass spoke, really kind of shone a light on what the fundamental problem was, right? Which was that this team was, I think that uh, Glassy said, used the word disjointed. With, yes. with, in regards to the way that the, the squad looked, I thought that was the biggest eye opener for me. And I, it was something um, Darren went on 92.9 The Game's air, uh, I think, on Tuesday and was kind of just speaking about how it was a unique perspective for him to kind of see what the team looked like within the bubble. Um, and then I thought today he kind of uh, went into a little bit more detail about mm -hmm. that, talking about the way they looked eating breakfast, you know, and at team meals. And when I was thinking about that quote, I was always obviously thinking about them kind of looking at the team, watching the performances and the games on the training pitch. I didn't think about them kind of being able to see them off the field a little bit more. And I think that, uh, yeah, I think that that kind of kind of what really defines what went wrong for, for Frank. I think, I think the thing that for me that was most surprising was just how quickly they made the decision. Well, you know, I, <sighs> Last year, when they started 0-5, or, or they only won one of their first five games, Frank was making some odd choices then. And I can remember wondering to myself, I, I wonder if Atlanta United is just going to go ahead and cut bait on this. Because um, it just didn't seem to be working. And then Frank got it turned around. And, and I'm referencing you know, using the same starting 11 in that first DC game that it just played against, I think it was Aridiano that was then going to have to go down to Monterey, uh, not using any subs until like the yeah. 90th minute against Monterey. Uh, really, a lot of the same things that we saw in Orlando, we saw 
in those first five games last year. A team that would get the ball and just had no idea what it was supposed to be doing um, on offense. Red, the first game against Red Bulls, you kind of saw, okay, they put some crosses in and things like that, but the personnel choices were all wrong for that tactic, not having Adam John in there, in my opinion, and instead using Manuel Castro, who was not going to win a header, and Pitti, who's not going to win a header. It just didn't make any sense. And, and so I think between, I guess, seeing a team that probably wasn't having any fun in Orlando for a lot of reasons other than just Frank, and and the results and, and everything else, it was just time, you know, to to let him go. Uh, it kind of run its run its race. Yeah, Darren keeps talking using the phrase direction of travel, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, I I know what he means by that, and it, I, I agree with him that it didn't seem like there was a a turnaround that was imminent. You know, it didn't seem like it was going to all of a sudden change course you know it it did last year and i think it was because you had some stronger personalities in the squad last year that could kind of help put put some guys on the same page tactically and things like that i'm of course talking about joseph martinez leandro gonzalez perez even even a julian gressel you know even though a lot of times these south american guys get kind of grouped together um i think that he would be one of those guys who could be like a real um galvanizer within the team and kind of get everybody going on the same wavelength and you just never it never felt to me and i think to you that that was kind of on the cards here yeah somebody pointed out to me um they were kind of speaking on background and and didn't want a name used to the story but they pointed out to me that one of the turnarounds last season was when frank finally relented and kind of went to the three five two or three four two one Mm -hmm. formation and that was born because they were out of healthy defenders. It was that Houston game. Right, because they just and lost um, somebody in the – Shea? They, 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 they lost uh, Brock Shea. Yeah, they lost Brock Shea against Seattle. Um, they had no other choice. And once they did that, the players felt kind of comfortable and felt uh, they could play aggressively and, and could do what they were supposed to be doing. But that wasn't any kind of tactical masterstroke. It was pure dumb luck. And had there not been – all those injuries, who knows what would have happened mm-hmm. uh, with the team against the, you know, in, in the U S open cup and in the Campionas cup and, and in the playoffs. Um, it, it was just, you know, I think Frank is a good guy. Um, I don't think he communicates what he wants very well to the players. Uh, I think we saw that in Orlando. We've seen that the past year and a half and, and just, you know, comments made by the guys here and there. Um, and that was just his undoing. So, I mean, that's really the first thing that Steven and whomever the next manager is going to have to do is just be able to, to have a conversation with the players. You know, you listen to what Brad Guzan said after that Columbus loss in the Orlando tournament. And he kept saying, it's got to be conversations. It can't just be talking at, and I assumed that he was talking about Frank talking to the players because I don't know what else he could have been talking about. Yeah. Uh, and I could be wrong, but that was, that was my impression of that. Yeah, no, I think I, I kind of had the, the same impression. And I think that um, it, it was interesting. It, it was very interesting to go back and reread his quotes after the mutual parting of ways. Um, 
it, I think it really put a lot of things in perspective. And I think it made a, it made things a lot more clear because when he was giving those quotes, a lot of it was kind of ambiguous. Like you were just kind of uh, saying there, but I think that when you look back at it now, I think it's a, it's a lot more clear as to uh, what exactly he was talking about. I think with Frank too, I, I think that one of his downfalls here, and I think something that he will have to improve if he continues as a manager, which is, it, it, which is a whole different conversation in the fact right, that yeah, he, probably, he, does, he doesn't have that. to, he doesn't, <laughs> he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't have to be managing. Like, like, no. like he does it because he wants to. Um, but I think that, you know, I think it's something that afflicts a lot of, great players that want to get into coaching or management or whatever. And it could be in soccer. It could be in basketball. It could be wherever where it's like the Michael Jordan syndrome where you don't understand why players can't execute a certain skill that you were able to do or, you know, fulfill whatever task it is on the field of play. Um, and I think that sometimes great players just have a more difficult time translating exactly what is needed out of individuals. Um, on top of the fact that, you know, we've, we've dealt enough with Frank to know that he kind he kind of sometimes loses himself in a, in a second language, which is, you know, totally understandable. And you can see why his, his instruction would just get muddled. Um, Another odd thing about the recent events is, you know, Frank at the beginning of the year, we were critical of him and the supporters were critical of him because of how he was using his subs or not using his subs. But then he kind of started to get the hang of it in the middle of the season, and he made some impactful changes at times in the mm-hmm. games. But then you start again this season, and you're in the MLS tournament. You're losing games one to nothing, one to nothing, one to nothing, and yet you're not using all five subs. It's like sometimes I think he kind of got lost within the game and just wasn't thinking about this is the move I need to make. And instead, I don't know what he was thinking about, but it just <laughs> didn't seem to be. Uh, things that, um, at least in Orlando, were were the things that were going to give Atlanta United the best chance to win. Yeah, and you know, I feel like it's always. I feel like substitutions are a little trickier for uh, MLS managers because typically at the MLS level, you are you have your best eleven players out there for the most part. Like generally speaking, you've got your eleven best players out there, and it kind of can feel like anybody you go to off the bench is kind of going to be a downgrade of some sort. And at least in terms of quality, it's not like you're Liverpool or Chelsea or you're one of these top teams where you have top quality on the bench as well, where you can really replace guys. So I think that he had some issues trying to figure out at times how to best utilize those subs and, and strengthen the team. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in his defense, I'm not, I'm not as enthusiastic as Darren was in a conversation with me on Monday that this roster is as talented as previous versions yeah. of Atlanta United's rosters have been. Now, part of that could have been, Frank, misusing players. Um, and part of it could be they may not be as good as past Atlanta United rosters. So it was kind of hard to tell whether Frank believe in the players, whether the players maybe not be as good or they're just not being put in the right roles, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's a perfect segment segue to kind of move on to glassy mm-hmm. uh, because he seemed to be focused on wanting to make sure he is putting those players in the right roles where they can flourish. And he kind of alluded to the fact that a lot of these players on the team have not been 
performing as well, you know, as well as he thinks they're capable of. And we all know they're capable of because we've seen mm-hmm. them play at a higher level than they were in Orlando. Uh, I'm just kind of curious what you expect out of a Steven Glass managed team based on what you heard today. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't really know <laughs> what I expect, to be honest with you. He, you know, he last year at managing at Lenny on two, it was a constantly revolving roster because of injuries, particularly it's he, you know, he lost to his starting center backs for long stretches. He had players kind of coming up the senior team and coming down Academy players coming up and coming down. And it's hard to really do what you want to do when there's not consistency in the roster, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But now if he gets a run with Atlanta United, you can see that. And he talked about being aggressive. He talked about trying to put the players on the front foot. He mentioned, as you said, trying to put the players in the best possible positions. And that was an answer to a question I asked him about trying to figure out how to best use Ezekiel Barco and Pitti Martinez, which Frank was Mm -hmm. never able to do. Mm -hmm. And I I really don't know because to me, they play the same position. Um, And so you got to figure out some way to make that work. Um, So that is going to be a challenge for glass. It is going to be a challenge for the next manager. Um, But I think you're going to see Steven go back to the players that kind of got it lining out into what it was. Eric Rometty, a defensive midfielder, who I don't think Frank rated very highly for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Franco Escobar back to a wing back with, with either Anton Walks or maybe even George Campbell, that, that would surprise me, at center back. Um, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, the big, the big piece of the puzzle is going back to you got to figure out what to do with Barco and Pitti. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally agree. And obviously those guys weren't performing as well as they could have during the during the tournament. And that was really, you know, Atlanta's downfall was that you didn't get your produ- the production you needed out of the most expensive players you have at your disposal. Um, I think part of you that could have been w- Frank again. It could have been how sure. he was using them in the formation and the tactics. Though Derek sure, kept I, saying it's not formation and tactics. It's about mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, state of mind. Yeah. It reminded me of... <laughs> It's a, it's more, it's a lifestyle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think like for me with Frank, the way he, I just feel like he didn't have a, a defined enough role for Barco and Pitti. Like he wanted them to do so many things. I feel like they just kind of got lost. It was all so nebulous, you know, in terms of the structure of the team and how they were supposed to influence proceedings. And they just kind of weren't able to, find themselves. I think, I think glass will give them a much more simple, simpler role, like simpler instructions. You, you play on the right side, you cut, you know, cut in, don't, I I think it will just be a little bit more rigid, but not in a bad way. It'll be rigid. It will be rigidity that is needed within the team because Frank was trying to do this real total football thing. And there was just not enough, like sometimes you need instruction. People people will hear like rigid and say, "Oh, like oh, that's that's not good because you want fluidity and stuff like that in soccer." But I think that this team would really benefit from just simpler tasks, clear roles, um, and a little bit more pragmatism. You know, so I think that yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's the and I I think I wrote that uh, Monday for Tuesday or something that it, it's about. Making the players comfortable, making the players comfortable, comfortable is by keeping things simple. Keeping things simple allows them to be aggressive. Yeah, right. Um, and, exactly. You know, Frank's 
to go against Darren. Frank's preferred formation, that 3-4-3, to me was a disaster every time he tried to roll it out. Um, then I've wrote it and I've said it. They always looked outnumbered on defense. They always looked outnumbered on offense. And I think that's because they were too busy thinking, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to be here? And not really ever playing. Yeah. And they need yeah. to play. And what's really fascinating to me, what boggled my mind was that to me, I'm not necessarily against a 3-4-3 in the vacuum, in a vacuum if you have the players to do it. But to me, Atlanta United does not have the players to play that kind of system, especially like you need extremely good dynamic central midfielders to be able to cover tons of ground and do all kinds of different things. And that's probably one of the uh, least deep positions at, on Atlanta United with the loss of Darlington Nagby, especially. And and but Frank, his whole thing was he wanted to play the three four three because he thought that that suited the personnel. So it just never, yeah, never yeah. Made and, sense and to you me. remember, I mean, I don't know if you were there early, early twenty nineteen, but he said he was going with the three four three because he didn't have Franco Escobar as a wing back. Yeah, that, yeah. and so then you get Franco Escobar back, and you're playing him at center back, and still going the three four three. I had a, a former uh, standout player for the men's national team text me early or not early about a third of the way through last season and we were talking about the 343 and he said it is the hardest formation of all formations for players to learn and to execute and yeah uh, you saw it uh with atlanta yeah. united and partly why it ended up being DeBoer's downfall and glass's opportunity to come in as interim manager yeah, yeah, and especially we even the the difficulty in implementing some, something like that is just amplified when you're trying to cross cultures and languages and all that kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Um, I was just I was generally pleased. I thought that in the press conference today that the right things were said, the right ideas went across. I think that a lot of the things that Darren said, what Steven said, uh, Glassy, however we want to start referring to him. Um, I think that's what fans wanted to hear. Do you have any like lasting parting comments uh, before we get out of here? No. Um, you know, again, I don't think anybody should put any expectations on glass. I think they should just let him manage. And if the team keeps winning uh, or if the team starts winning, uh, then, you know, he and the players should get some credit. If they don't uh, start playing well or win, it may be a sign that the construction of the roster isn't maybe as good as people thought and assumed, you know, Boca Negra probably deserves some, some heat uh, for, for the team's play last year and this year, if they continue not to play well under glass or whomever the next manager is, then, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that Boca Negra should be fired, but there probably needs to be an analytical eye turned to, how the roster is put together and the, and the evaluation of talent and things like that, because it never appeared that Frank had much of a say in the players coming in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was strange. That was strange to me. Well, Tata would always say that too, but I never believed him. Uh, I guess maybe he didn't have to, his name simply enough that if you were to call an Argentine player, they would say play for Tata. Sure. Yeah, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Great recruiting five-star prestige. Yeah. Um, Uh, so we'll, I mean, because there's lots of guys on the roster, and you just don't know. Manuel Castro is can he be good? I don't know. <laughs> Mateos Rosetti, can he be good? I don't know. I, I think so. Yeah. 
We've literally but seen 30 of right minutes now, of Mateus Rosetto. Yeah, I know. But 45 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I, everybody on social media is always about, oh, Rosetto can play this position or this position or this position. And I'm like, yeah. you saw him score against a bad Birmingham side. <laughs> and you saw him for like 35 minutes against Cincinnati, which was the worst team in MLS history the previous season. And now you're yeah. trying to put him as a starter at like four different positions. Yeah. There, there's, you know, he's a good guy and I think he's going to be a good player, but there's a reason he's at Atlanta United on a very cheap transfer fee right now, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. Again, I think for he's sure. going to be good, but right now I think it's a matter of figuring out his skills and his best position. One last thing. You think this team makes the playoffs? That was something that, you know, Darren said that they still expect this team to make the playoffs. You think that you think Glassy can do that? Well, the East is looking a heck of a lot tougher. It is. Than it looked four months ago. <laughs> it really um, is. Orlando is looking fantastic. Everybody got mad at me when I said Orlando was fun to watch the other night on Twitter, but they are. (laughs) (laughs) They're more fun to watch than Atlanta United right now. I'll tell you that. Philadelphia solid, New England solid, Toronto solid, even Montreal advanced into the knockout rounds of the tournament. DC United is still kind of figuring itself out. Miami's figuring itself out. Nashville is not going to be any good, but Cincinnati's already beat Atlanta United once now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I can't even say Atlanta United is going to be in the playoffs by process of elimination. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think they will make the playoffs, but I don't think it's going to be as a high seed. I'm with you. I think they I think they just sneak in there at the bottom, at the bottom, right above the line. So, all right, well, I think that's going to be it. I just wanted to kind of get your quick reaction to what we heard today. Uh, I'm sure that everybody, you'll have stuff getting published. If it's not already published, it will be coming out thick and fast here, I'm sure. Um, so everybody check that out. At Doug Roberson AJC, is that right That's on me. Twitter? That's me. Because you're definitely not following Doug, and you're following me. So no. Well, they should follow y'all. <laughs> y'all, y'all. See, okay, to explain one thing really quickly. Yeah. My paper, we don't cover Atlanta United two, for example, because I yeah. only have so many hours in a week, and right. y'all do and do a fantastic job. And then y'all cover a lot of the things that I don't care to cover like transfer rumors and stuff like that. And y'all do a fantastic mm-hmm. job with that. And then the other stuff. Thank and, you. So, you know, I'm serious. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know who this person was. Film fan was our byline. Wrote a uh, very his nice, name is, yeah, his name is Gray. Um, wrote a I, very yeah. nice game story from Atlanta United 2 last night. Yeah, and uh, hope, hopefully there's be more of that to come too. So, you know, you, you take bites of y'all's apple, my apple, Felipe's apple, Jason's apple, and John's apple, and... Uh, I think we provide probably the overall the best soccer coverage of any team in the United States and Canada and maybe Central America. I totally agree. I think it's great. All right. Well, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll probably do. I'll try to get you on again every once in a while and just catch up. And uh, and I'll invite you to come beat me in golf. That, uh, that's what I was. That's what I was waiting for. That's what I was waiting for. All right. All right. Now that you've said that, we can get out of here. Uh, enjoy the rest of your vacation, Doug. I appreciate you coming on. All right, buddy. See ya.